It's on episode number 19 of the Covert Show. Back over there is RC after a couple of episodes has made his triumphant return. Nick and our guest on the phone line after some interesting tech stuff before we got this one underway. As uh, Welcome back to the show, Quinn Douglas. I talked to him when the SEC Big 12 debacle had kicked off. But welcome back to the show, Quinn. We're happy to have you back once again. Glad to be back, Jonathan. Hopefully this, this time is just as enjoyable as the first time we're not talking about you know college football everything being, you know, out in question. Yeah, not quite as um, crazy necessarily, but a lot going on nonetheless. And I know Nick's keeping tabs on the NLCS, ALCS, so this is as good of a point as any to start. And Laz Diaz, boys, I know that we've probably all got an opinion of the worst strike three, worst non-strike three call you could possibly uh, give as it cost the Red Sox. The Astros end up winning today. It makes it 9-1 in the ALCS. Uh, Houston leading 3-2, I should say, through Game 5. And the NLCS Game 4, as of the time of this recording, Braves up 5-0 over the Dodgers. And the Braves lead the series 2-1. Uh, you guys, what were some of your early thoughts on these two series? We'll start with you, Nick, and then go to Quinn. Kind of looking at it, especially, I was more excited for the rematch of the Braves and the Dodgers coming back to the NLCS, I believe, for the second straight year. And so far, it has been an absolute show of a series. Two walk-off wins in a row for the Braves at home. Series flips to L.A. And last night, I was watching the game with my parents. Fans were leaving because they thought the game was over. And they were sitting there, disappointment, heads on, or hands on their heads and everything like that and then all of a sudden the Dodgers break it open Cody Bellinger with I believe now five of eight home runs in the postseason for his career have either been game tying or go-ahead home runs so he came up clutch finally after being in just an absolute slump this year so the Dodgers bats are still there but tonight uh Julio Urias did not look on he was only hitting about 92 when he hits 95 plus uh, the Dodgers or the Braves were tagging him up on fastballs high. Everything was getting left up, and this Braves offense is just deadly. One through nine, Jock Peterson lighting it up. Uh, one player for the Braves right now is a hit away from a cycle. He just needs a double. Um, I mean, the Braves have this. If they can continue this kind of weird Johnny Holstaff pitching routine, they might have this series on lock until they get back to Max Freed who I believe would start the next game in Atlanta. So I personally think the Braves have this series. And then flipping over to the American League, that has also just been an absolute blast to watch. The Red Sox coming out, they were swinging first. They got a couple of big games. And then the Astros doing what the Astros do best, just making it kind of a comeback story. Their bats are getting hot. I believe, hold on, let me kind of just take a look at the last three games. They've scored almost, they scored nine runs today. They scored nine runs last night, 12, 12 runs for the Red Sox in the last game. I mean, there have been some high-scoring affairs so far in these last three games, and 18 runs in two games for the Astros. That's pretty impressive, at Fenway, to say the least. Yeah, this uh, at least starting with the National League Championship Series, I had a chance to get to watch most of the game, one of game two with the, with the Braves walking up. Both nights in a row. I think the thing I'm most impressed about this Braves team Every night, it's someone different. Game one, it was Austin Riley. Game, game two was Eddie Rosario that came up with the big hit. The Braves, it doesn't matter who is doing it. It's just a matter of getting it done, and that can really lend itself to a lot of postseason success, especially against a team like the Dodgers. I mean, they're the, it's the vaunted Dodgers. They have a pitching staff that's good in any in baseball, and the Braves are stuck in that state. So what? And they they come out, and they have attacked the uh, Braves pitching, or the Dodgers pitching staff. They've done a really, really good job, and that's for the ALCS to the Red Sox and the Astros, I'm just waiting for a game we're going to get where it's going to be close because it feels like every game <laughs> has been a blowout so far. It was like 12-1 a couple nights ago uh, for the Red Sox. The Red Sox, Red Sox, they've had their blowouts. The Astros, they are, they blew out the Red Sox. Now, it feels like if the Red Sox can get a win in game six, and I know that's a big if uh, since they're going back to Houston, game seven, I got a feeling, is probably going to be the one game in that series that's actually legitimately going to be close. And I'll be interested to see who, what both team or what each team will have on the mound for that game set if it does come to that. Well, and the Astros have been hitting 
besides these last two games, the Astros have been hitting late. They haven't been hitting early. The Red Sox bullpen has been keeping them kind of just very off balance. You look at game one, they didn't score until I think it was like the seventh or the eighth inning when they finally started getting off. And then Carlos Correa finally got his postseason home run as well. Altuve still swinging it good. But, I mean, the Astros need to find a way to continue to keep this momentum and scoring in the early innings and forcing the Red Sox back on their heels. Because especially the Red Sox hit very, very good, even losing game one, going into game two, just absolutely on fire. They are hitting lights out on the road as they have been the entire season to get to this point. So, I mean, you got a 92-win team versus a 95-win. It's just one of those who's going to kind of give first. And I think whoever gives first in this um, series, obviously the Astros are going to take it um, on Saturday or on Friday, I believe it would be, for uh, game five or game six. I Excuse me. Sorry, I'm kind of misleading my words here. But the Astros can take it. The Red Sox can get back in it, and right now I think it's all the Braves to the NLCS. The Dodgers just have to find a way to continue to string hits together because they finally just got their first hit in this last inning, and they've been able to scrounge up two hits. Justin Turner finally broke that. But Rosario hitting out of his mind, he's the one guy who's a, a double away from getting the cycle tonight. So again, looking at that game for Braves and Dodgers right now, by the time this is sent out, this game will be final. But 5 nothing right now. Uh, runners at second and third, bottom of the fifth for the Dodgers. So maybe don't count out the Dodgers just yet. Jumping ship to the NHL now as my Devils. I might have a team, knock on wood, that is good. They uh, beat the Blackhawks in overtime last Friday after blowing a two-goal lead in the third period to win 4-3. And they beat the all-new Kraken in a 4-2 win an empty netter late in the game put it away for the Devils, but it's early, still early in the uh, season as a uh, quick check of the standings here. I think the Devils have played two, and that's on the low end. Uh, Pittsburgh's 2-0-2. and The Devils are 2-0. and uh, Pretty much the Metropolitan Division is uh, sitting pretty so far through their first two to four games. Um, RC had... Uh, the good old Vegas Golden Knights uh, were in action tonight as well as uh, the Golden Knights sitting one and one. Panthers are three and zero, oh, baby. First time I've seen that in a while. Not a big hockey fan, but still, I'll keep in touch a little bit just to give some people a little bit of heckle. Well, I promise you, if the Panthers keep winning, that you'll probably keep talking about it on the podcast. I gotta pay attention to hockey more. It's really fun to watch. Hockey but it's like, is so fun, especially with this three-on-three overtime. Oh, it is a blast yeah. to watch. It's like back when I was on Sports on the Edge, we had one of our friends from Vegas. He was a big hockey guy, and he just really got into it. And he would talk about the NHL, and it was just like I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'll try to watch some games just to keep up with the conversation, especially around the playoff time. But otherwise, I'm not the most knowledgeable <laughs> Midwesterner when it comes to the good old ice and puck. Yeah, most people aren't, but I like to keep this podcast where we talk about uh, majority of sports. We really can't talk about all of them, but we're going to go ahead and jump into uh, the NFL, and we'll first start out by talking about last week's picks and some of the games you guys thought were fairly interesting games. Uh, First, starting with the results, and Steven last week came in and just casually walked the dog on everybody as... 11-3, and the only three games he got wrong was Seattle, which we all got wrong, Buffalo, which we all got wrong, and what was his other one he got wrong? Oh, the Bears. He kind of went out on a limb there. He ends up 11-3, and RC's 10-4, and Nick and I went 9-5, and the Hexbugs went 4-10. and We're just going to keep them rolling because maybe we'll feel better about ourselves as RC leads at 59-35. and I'm one game back. Nick's four games back of RC. And the Hexbugs are a whopping 20 games back through six weeks. What was the game you guys saw last week? Uh, We'll start with Quinn for this one. Uh, That was an interesting game. Mine, give Quinn some time to think so I don't put him on the spot on the spot here. But mine has to be the Ravens just absolutely annihilating the Chargers. Uh, It's interesting because I still think the Chargers are a team that's going to give the playoffs a strong look as the season goes along. But boy, Baltimore really showed what they can be at home now, five and one. And 
here's the thing. Uh, five and one is what you would expect from Baltimore, sure. But remember, Baltimore has like 25 injuries, it seems like, from the beginning of the year. And these are all starters. These are all guys that are game changers for the Ravens. And they're still five and one. Yeah, they're making themselves known. And I think it's Lamar Jackson. We talked about this. I think it was last week. JC, you mentioned this. They're letting Lamar Jackson pass the ball. Thank and you. The that kid has that, a cannon. We did talk about this last week. And this is something that RC and I talked about when the Chargers beat him in the playoffs two or three years ago, whatever it was. And the Ravens were mounting a comeback. And I'm like, why did we just not let Lamar throw the damn ball from the start? But yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Finally letting Lamar throw the football. And I think it's showing a lot of teams are really built around on a defensive side, stopping his legs and forcing him to throw. And in the past, it's worked because they really didn't build an offense around having him throw the football. And now you see how good of an arm and how accurate of a passer he is in the pocket and out of. So, I mean, if you take a look at why the Ravens are still 5-1 and one with all these injuries, beating teams like the Chargers 34-6 like last week, that's the reasoning. You're letting Lamar Jackson be a total quarterback. And not everybody's ready for that. Next season, it might be a totally different deal. But having him be able to read a defense and throw the football, make decisions on his own, that's why you are still going to win games and just throttle teams down the stretch. They got the Bengals next and the Vikings. I mean, those are two very winnable games for the Ravens if you keep letting Lamar do what he does best. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Lamar Jackson this season. Had a bit of a slow start against uh, my Las Vegas Raiders in that opening week. Uh, down in Vegas, but since then, he's played really efficient football. Everybody wants to talk about how Lamar Jackson, you know, like you said, he, he they didn't really build an offense around him to throw the football. He can't throw the football. I mean, guys, he's not a single wing quarterback. He can throw the football, and he's fairly accurate. It, like you said, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, Lady Lamar make plays in the passing game has really opened up this Ravens offense. And if the Ravens get healthier as we get later in the season, man, that could really open up the door for a uh, Super Bowl or Super Bowl possible Super Bowl run in uh, Baltimore. Especially with Marquise Brown on that edge side. I mean, you've got yes. a receiver who is fast and able to run down footballs if overthrown. He dealt with that with Kyler Murray back in Oklahoma and a little bit of um, Jalen Hurts as well because Jalen Hurts is a guy who typically overthrows the football because he wants to get that extra step on a guy. And when you have someone like uh, Hollywood Brown who's able to just outleg defensive backs, that's going to cause a lot of problems in a secondary. So, Quinn, I've got to ask, and I guess by proxy we'll hear from Nick, too, on this. As a Raiders fan, you know, the fallout last week with John Gruden uh, and the Raiders, mm -hmm. this was a team I actually bet on them this week to beat the Broncos. How impressed were you as a Raiders fan? They went into Denver, a team that was 3-2, and two, and were able to pick up the big win on the road in the AFC West. Well, I don't think it was any question. I, I know Las Vegas was the better football team coming into the Denver Broncos. Let's just get that out of the way, number one. Las Vegas was the better football team. Uh, just looking at their near at the wins Las Vegas has collected, they have their wins are much better than Denver's. And, you know, th this isn't, you know, these aren't college kids. This isn't, you know, a college football program that has a scan like this. These are professional football players. And the professional really came to light this week for the Raiders. I mean, they talked about, they openly dealt, with what happened with John Gruden and the emails that were leaked by the Wall Street Journal and the, Journal, the New York Times, and they openly addressed it, and they handled it as professionals. And you know what? It paid off in dividends on Sunday because they were able to go out, as they normally do, and play play their backs, play their backsides off. I mean, Derek Carr, absolutely phenomenal on that first drive. That touchdown pass to Henry Ruggs, beautiful. That set the tone right away. And how about that pass to King and Drake right before halftime that dropped it in right in the breadbasket and uh, – King and Drake was able to just get into the end zone. And from there on out, it was, it was on like the break of dawn. The Raiders were not going to look back against a, a Denver team that Teddy Bridgewater, you know, coming into the season, Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to beat the teams he's they need to beat. You know, they should beat. You know, the teams that are below 500, he's going to beat those teams. It's a matter if he can beat those teams that are better than Denver, that in games they shouldn't win. That was the game that Las Vegas was the better team. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't able to get it done. And – Denver's defense, I know everybody's been talking about how great Denver's defense is. I mean, against the Raiders, the Raiders made them look like a second-tier defense. And I think that speaks a lot to how good the Raiders are offensively. There did not look like there was any drop-off whatsoever in production. And I actually feel really, really good about this Raiders team going down the road. I still think even with Rich Passaccia as the interim head coach, I still think this is very much a playoff team. 
Wow, you have stunned Nick. <clears throat> I I have I have nothing to say. He's absolutely <laughs> right. Teddy Teddy Bridgewater will beat the teams that he's supposed to. He will still throw for a bunch of yards this season, but the fact of the matter is Denver's defense really needs to be able to step up and start holding teams to under 20 points because our offense is not going to be able to score more than about 25 per game. Our offense is not going to be able to hang with Cleveland this week, especially on the road in in Ohio. I mean, it's going to be a tough rest of the year if the Broncos can't actually get their teams on on point. And like without Jerry Judy for a little bit, Corlin Sutton's picking it up. I mean, but still, you can't just have an offense built around maybe two other guys. You have to have an offense that's able to to play the game. And Teddy Bridgewater, I think right now, especially with some of the struggles that Drew Locke had towards the end of the year last year, he's the guy to take over for a little bit. But you still need to be able to give Drew Locke that shot to run the offense. But the fact of the matter is, Denver's team just not as developed as what they really should probably be down this stretch. The Peyton Manning era, probably the best we will ever see for the one season that he was there to win the Super Bowl. But the Broncos are middle of the pack. You throw them in the SEC, they will still get slaughtered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just going to stop you there. I'm not sure about that. But going back to you, Quinn, uh, the Raiders sit at 4-2. and two. The Chargers are 4-2. and two. They're ahead of the Raiders by the tiebreaker. And let's not forget, Kansas City's 3-3. Three and three. Everybody thinks Kansas City's god-awful, but apparently they're still within a game of this division. How do you see this division playing out? It sounds like everybody's kind of writing off Denver down the stretch, but between the Raiders, Chargers, and Chiefs, yeah, I'm going to throw in the Chiefs because I don't believe that they're quite done yet. You're only six games into the season. How do you guys see the AFC West uh, playing out, starting with you, Quinn? Well, I'm going to be dead honest. I'm going to make a bit of a bold statement. If the Chiefs make the playoffs, they're not making it to the conference championship. That defense is absolutely horrendous. Mm, and agreed. the Chiefs front office has done a terrible job of addressing the issues they have. Instead, they're going out and getting Josh Gordon, going out signing offensive free agents, when it's clear that the issue lies within the defense, specifically the secondary with quarterbacks and linebackers. Kansas City has just refused to address it. And I think, you know, as good as Kansas City's offense is, you know, the league is starting to figure out Patrick Mahomes, and it's going to be a question of whether or not Patrick Mahomes can adjust to that next level. He's been doing a great job. You know, when he came into the league, you know, teams would run their schemes, but teams realize you can't run their normal schemes against Patrick Mahomes because he'll find a way to rip it up. But we saw in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay last year, Tampa Bay got home with four, and they dropped seven in coverage. They played two safeties deep. And Patrick Mahomes was running for his life out there. And that offensive line, I know the Chiefs went out and signed a lot of guys uh, to, to, to help uh, refurbish that offensive line. It hasn't really paid off so far. So the Chiefs, I'm not saying they can't turn it around, but I think even if they make the playoffs, uh, they're, they're going to be a team that's going to be out pretty quickly because that defense is not a defense made for January. The Raiders, so really I think the Raiders and the Chargers are the team with the best chance to uh, make a, a deep postseason run out of the AFC West. And I, I throw the Raiders in there because that defense for the Raiders is eons ahead of where it was a year ago. After they fired Paul Gunther, they bring in Gus Bradley, change up the system. It's a much simpler system, uh, much easier pu- plug-and-play system for the Raiders' defensively. The offense is definitely taking a step forward, You know, adding guys. Henry Ruggs is really starting to come out of his shell. Brian Edwards is really starting to come out of his shell. Darrell Waller might be one of the top ten players in all football right now. This is a Raiders team that if they can really start to cinch it up defensively, and that Raiders pass rush was fantastic against Denver last Sunday. If the Raiders' defense can step it up when they need to, because where they have faltered in the past is down the stretch when the the money is on the line, the postseason bursts on the line, that's where the defense has faltered. Can the Raiders' defense, because we know the Chargers' defense is going to step up and be there. I have no questions about it. Justin Herbert is a ridiculous talent. And Justin Herbert might be playing his way by the end of the year to be maybe a top-seven quarterback in the NFL. But if the Raiders' defense can really start to hunker down towards the end of the season, something they haven't done, I think the Raiders have just as good a chance of making a deep run in the playoffs as the Chargers. So, yeah, that AFC West does uh, – go ahead, Nick. Uh, to me, I'm going to kind of go with which offense kind of slows down first. Because you talked about last week, the performance in Denver. Derek Carr starting to really settle in, dropping dimes everywhere, finding out who Henry Ruggs also is on the field. I mean, it's which offense and I think which quarterback kind of slows down first. Because, I mean, the Chargers still have a decently dynamic offense. And like you said, Justin Herbert, very elite talent. 
and we saw it at Oregon too, kind of at the at the end of the season, he was falling a little bit short, and he is known for also throwing balls a little bit over top of people. He gets a little bit antsy. He wants to take that deep shot downfield. He's starting to kind of hone in the accuracy a lot better, but which offense is going to be able to keep that up to give a defensive performance a run for its money? So that AFC West, everybody, again, one game apart. Chargers, Raiders, 4-2. and two. Broncos and Chiefs sit 3-3. Three and three. And now looking at last week, early winners were the Buccaneers over the Eagles. Jags beat the Dolphins on a game winner. Uh, kind yeah, of a they surprising did. game there. I wasn't really happy about the outcome, but... <clears throat> Chiefs beat Washington football team. Kansas City is now 3-3. Three and three. Rams absolutely annihilate the Giants. Uh, the Rams are on a 5-1 and one starter better for the second time in the last 20 seasons, according to NFL.com, so an interesting one there. Colts beat the terrible, terrible te- Texans. Jesus, the Texans are bad. Uh, speaking of teams that are bad and teams I should stop putting stock in, the Detroit Lions... Uh, it happened with the Bears. I thought they were going to beat the Bears. I really looked bad this time as the Bengals beat them 34-11. to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers barely managed to beat the Bears 24-14. The Packers have won 19-22. And as I quote Aaron Rodgers, I still fucking own you, Chicago. I, I don't get that. I mean, if this was a game that was towards the end of the season, playoff implications, sure. But Justin Fields is the quarterback you're going against. And you didn't even dog walk Chicago either. You won by 10. And you needed a touchdown late to get it to 10. Bears are 3-3. Three and three, So there's that. Uh, we talked about the Ravens beating the Chargers badly. Minnesota tries and tries again to give it away to Carolina. But they just can't. As the Vikings do manage to put together a win. Arizona. Their first 6-0 and start since 1974 as they are 6-0 and and they destroyed Cleveland. Uh, Browns now 3-3, and maybe not the Super Bowl contender everybody thought they were. We talked about the Raiders beating the Broncos. Cowboys come back and beat the Patriots in overtime. Dallas is 5-1, and so maybe the NFC least is not the NFC least this year. Uh, Steelers beat the Seahawks 23-20, and Titans, maybe Tennessee's back as they beat the Buffalo Bills 34-31. Anybody have any specific games you want to talk about outside of the couple we have talked about uh, as was the surprising game or something that you went, all right, this is the team to buy stock in now? I'm going to go out and say it's the Dallas Cowboys, Jonathan. The Dallas Cowboys – they have come out. Dak Prescott is playing like maybe the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And that defense now is legit. You got rid of that horrible contract they have with Jalen Smith. You've got a guy in Trevon Diggs who's playing absolutely out of his mind right now for the Dallas secondary. And this Dallas defense, they've got playmakers up front. Demarcus Ware, along with the Randy Gregory, are just a couple guys that have really stepped it up. Leighton Vanderesh has really stepped up at middle linebacker this year for the Cowboys. The Cowboys now finally have a complete team to make a run at a championship. And it's been, I'd say it's probably been at least a decade, if not longer, <laughs> since we've been able to say that about a Dallas Cowboys team. I would definitely agree with that. I also want to touch on specific performance last week. I mean, can we talk about just Derrick Henry running over the Buffalo Bills? The man looks like Derrick Henry once again being able to perform there. So if the Titans can keep that up, they're going to still be a very formidable opponent down the stretch. Tannehill looked pretty decent as well, but if Derrick Henry can continue to just run through defensive lines and get through that secondary stiff arm his way into the end zone, pushing over his own men, I mean, he's just going to be ready to go for that playoff stretch. And I think the Titans are going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after beating Buffalo the way they did. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do the next two weeks to kind of continue that run. So I tend to agree with that, and now it's everybody's favorite time, the time that we pick him, and we're going to throw Quinn in the mix, and if he does as well as Steven did last week, we might have to combine their records and see if the guests are better pickers than we are. Uh, taking a look at some of the spreads here, we're going to pull that up as RC is having a fun time across the way. Don't ask me what he's doing. I tried to turn his mic off and I can still hear him. So we're going to just turn the mic on and we're going to hear all the fun stuff going on over there. 
but going and looking at the line, starting with the Thursday night game, it is the Broncos at Cleveland. Cleveland is two-point favorites, and big news out of Cleveland, Keenum will be starting versus the Broncos as Baker Mayfield has been trying to battle through injuries. As uh, uh, That will finally be drawn the line there as uh, Keenum makes the start. I'm going to go ahead and start with this one on Thursday. Uh, personally, as somebody that does a little bit of sports betting, this is one I will not sports bet on because these two teams, especially the Browns losing Mayfield, are kind of all over the place. But for me, I'm going to have to take the Browns. I think the Broncos are just that bad that it doesn't really matter as uh, – We'll see if uh, Cleveland can pick up the win. So here's the order we're going in. I know this gets fun sometimes in past episodes of who's the pick order. So it's going to go me, RC, Quinn, and Nick. So we're going to go in that order throughout as uh, RC's smirking over here. He gets what we're talking about. you got to watch, uh, listen back a few episodes when we had Damien on the show and pick became a circus. But anyway, it's the Broncos, <laughs> and it is the Browns. What do you got, RC? I'm going to go with the Browns as well. All right, there we go. Two picks in. I'm going to go with the Browns as well. I think Case Keenum is probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. He has shown before that he can get it done uh, as an NFL quarterback. I like the Browns against the Broncos uh, tomorrow night. Browns, nothing else said. So I'm only going to give away. struggling. I'm only going to give a one away one hex bug pick. If you want to see the rest of them, you got to go to the Covert Show uh, TikTok page, as those will be coming out this weekend. But it, the hex bug also likes Cleveland. So the hex bug that has managed to pick, oh, how many right here? Uh, Thirty nine and fifty five so far. It's either good news for the hex bugs or bad news for the rest of us. Uh, starting out with the Sunday games, as we all pick Cleveland, the Packers take on the Washington football team. Packers are eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Washington, and I see no reason to go against them, unfortunately. Uh, Rodgers, I guess, has got swagger back, and it has the Internet all hyped up about the I fucking own you, Chicago, which... I mean, anybody that looks at a record book would know, so I'm taking Green Bay to beat Washington. I'm also going to pick Green Bay. Staying original with our picks, I see. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take Green Bay in the points. Green Bay covers eight and a half. I'll take Green Bay. I don't think anybody should strain from this. The Washington football team just cannot get anything going, and Rodgers is, is just on another level right now. He's still performing very well, so. All right, boys, we're doing good. So far, everybody has picked the same through the first two games. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's Tennessee hosting Kansas City. Kansas City's five-and-a-half-point favorites. And as I like to do from time to time, going to take the dog in this one. Tennessee just beat Buffalo, and Buffalo wailed on Kansas City. Now, that's not the reason I'm taking Tennessee, but that is something to consider. Derrick Henry looked really good on Monday. Uh, taking Tennessee to pick up a big win. And with this win, they will show that once again, they are a team to be concerned about in the AFC. I'm going to go the opposite and say the Chiefs. All right. I've got, I've got the Titans in this one. Derrick Henry running the football. Simmons, yeah, Chiefs boy. Futures, they're not going to be able to get off the field. I'm taking, I'm taking Tennessee. Uh, which, you know, Kansas City or Tennessee plus five and a half might be the best bet of the weekend. I will also have to take Tennessee as well. Tannehill wow. looked very good last week as well. And if you're able to pick apart that Kansas City secondary, like a lot of quarterbacks are seeming to do, then you're going to have any, not an easy road to the win because you still have to shut down that offense and a lot of the weapons there. But Tennessee is going to be able to, I think, get the job done. So, R.C., I've got to ask before we go to the next pick, did you ever think that you would be on an island picking Kansas City in a game this season, like, period? That's That's got to be surprising. Yeah, just a little bit, you know. Oh, he's sounding concerned. Well, you can't change your pick, so that's too bad. The Moving, are gonna win, so I'd be, be pumping my fist if I'm R.C. <laughs> he's going to be like, the rest yeah. of you are wrong. Stop doubting Kansas City. 
<laughs> All right, Falcons and Dolphins, a game that nobody is going to be watching. Falcons are two-and-a-half-point favorites, and, geez, the Dolphins looked bad last week against uh, Jacksonville. I've got the Atlanta Falcons to pick up, believe it or not, with a win would be 3-3. Three and three. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Well, this would probably be the uh, week that you'd I'm be not right. Gonna be, I'm not going to be that ballsy. I'm going with the Falcons. Falcons move to 3-3. Three and three. Matt Ryan has a big day. Yeah, I kind of want to go with RC because the last time I picked a dog, a.k.a. the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got the win. But I I kind of think that that Miami offense with Matt Ryan still a little too too out there for the Dolphins to be able to handle. So I'm going to go with Atlanta. Wow, that was such a buildup to pick the – the favorite, but okay. Uh, moving to the Jets and Patriots. Patriots are two and four. Jets are one and four. The Patriots are seven point favorites, and it's oh, just kick the mic stand. That was smart. And uh, the Patriots are at home. Uh, my second place AFC East pick of the Patriots have got to get things rolling. So here you go, Patriots. Pick up a win. I'm also gonna go with the Patriots on this one. I'm going to go with the Patriots, but the Jets covers. Zach Wilson is really starting to play a lot better. You know, this is going to be my dog pick of the week. I'm going to go with the Jets. I kind of want the upset. I want to wow. see if Zach. I want to see if Zach Wilson can do what he is starting to do and actually play better. Get some get some balls around the field. I might put some money on that in in, in spirit of you. Just put like two dollars on the Jets to to win because that would be pretty dang surprising. Do it, lad. Uh, I picked Jacksonville last week. I, I watched that game, and I think I had Miami in a parlay or something, and that 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 was disappointing. But anyway, also Florida. Shout out Florida for ruining a 13-leg parlay that I had in college football. But we're getting to college football oh. coming up. That was also – Go Tigers. That was also not good. I just got a random thought here. Oh, baby. Is Joe Flacco still on the Jets? Um. I don't know. Let's see. Pretty sure he's retired. I oh, was going to say, done? I don't yeah. think he's going to I'm pretty sure Joe Flacco's gone. Hmm. Or as this was the best part, when he was on the Broncos, I had a roommate from Minnesota, and he just always loved to mess with me. He goes, guys, because me and one of my other roommates were Broncos fans, he goes, guys, you've got Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco on your center. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no, just stop. It was good for one year, and now it's just bad. So you're not going to believe this, but Joe Flacco is on the Philadelphia Eagles, according to Wikipedia, on March 25th, of, March 25th of 2021. Joe Flacco signed a one-year, $3.5 million contract with the Eagles. <laughs> so wow. after going 0-4 with the Jets last year, 2-6 with the Broncos the year before, 4-5 with the Ravens the year before, and then... But before that, he was their main starter. And you go back to 2010, 2011, 2012, where they went 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 10 and 6. Somewhere in there, that is their Super Bowl. But yeah, I thought he was done too, but he is in Philadelphia, according to Wikipedia. So, like, like I said, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Panthers and Giants, the next game. Carolina's a three point favorite. Uh, this is one of those games that. That that sound that I just made is exactly how I feel about it, but I'm going with Sam Darnold and the Panthers. Every time I pick the Giants, they lose. So I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in the boys and go with the Giants. You guys are gonna win this weekend. So I just we know have it. one guy that took the Jets and one guy that took the Giants. When Detroit comes around, if I take Detroit, we are the dumbest pickers on the entire planet. Jeez. You know what? There might be two idiots picking the Giants because I think the Giants <laughs> are going to get dumb. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go! <laughs> no. All right. Well, I, think, I think the Giants come back from getting their teeth kicked in last week, and they were able to pull off a, a close one against Carolina. All right. Well, if when Nick picks the Giants, I'm going to be the one that's an idiot. Apparently, <laughs> I thought for sure no one was taking the Giants. JC, I'm going to go with you and go with the Panthers. I think that Sam Darnold is kind of coming around and going through that last couple of drives. I was sitting uh, after my interview at the office in uh, Winterset. I was kind of watching Sam Darnold. He looked very, very comfortable in kind of a two-minute drill, and he's been starting to get a little bit more comfortable in that pocket. So I think Carolina has a has a quarterback in the midst. 
So Panthers roll. So after everybody picked the same for the first two games, we have managed to get some a uh, little bit of differences here and there. Bengals and Ravens, it's in Baltimore. Baltimore six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, this is one that uh, if you look at the history of these two teams, I think this could be a better game than expected, but it is in Baltimore. I just I think the Ravens win but don't cover the six-and-a-half. I could see this going down to the wire being a game that Baltimore maybe uh, – they have to win on a late field goal or something. I'm taking Baltimore, but I believe it'll be closer than people expect. I'm going to say the Ravens steamroll the bungholes. <laughs> so when you say steamroll, are you talking 35 points, 50 points, 20 points? I'm thinking a nice solid 25. So like 35 to 10, something like that? Oh, all right. Easy dub. Easy dub, the man says, does not lack confidence, that's for sure. I'm going to go somewhere in between you two. I'm going to say the Ravens win. They control it, but it's not it's not a dominant win. But they control the game. I'd take the Ravens in this one. Cincinnati's close, but they're not there yet. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of believe Quinn's pick right there. It's going to be close, but it's going to be a little bit more controlled. Baltimore and Lamar Jackson are going to be able to kind of handle this out. Joe Burrow's going to make it a game, but Baltimore still comes out on top, and you've got to be able to stop that pass game with Lamar Jackson. And I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to do that. So with that, moving towards the mid-afternoon games, it's the Raiders and Eagles. It's at Las Vegas. It's a three-point favorite for the Raiders. Or Raiders are three-point favorites, I should say. And with that, I mean, the Eagles showed promise later in the game against Tampa, but it was too little too late. Rolling with Vegas as um, Vegas has been one of those teams that's fun to pick because they seem to beat teams that they, people don't think they should beat, and they also pick up those wins. And with that win, Vegas would be 5-2. and two. I'm going to also go with the Raiders. <laughs> A lot of thinking going on. Or we drop the phone call. <laughs> oh, no, we're right here. I just wanted to make sure we were good. Uh, uh, but yeah. I'm going to say, obviously, I got to take my Raiders. Uh, I think the Raiders cover easily. Uh, this Eagles defense isn't the greatest, and Jalen Hurts is prone to turnovers. I think the Raiders defense has another really good day on Sunday. I'm taking the Raiders and the points easily. I will also take the Raiders. We got no uncommon ground on this pick. So with that, we move to the Rams and the Lions. Matthew Stafford comes home, and the Rams are, get this, 15-point favorites over the Detroit Lions. You know, this might be the week that you, th you say, J.C., this is the week to land on Detroit. Maybe they pull one of the big upsets, and I would laugh you out of the room. I think the Rams are way too good of a team to lose to Detroit. This is an interesting one points-wise because this game will go one of two ways. It'll be I – I don't know that – it's comparable to Tom Brady going back to New England for the emotion that was there and all the positivity. I could the see... The game is in Los Angeles there, JC. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, they're playing the Lions, I guess. So, um, yeah, Atta I'm taking boy. the Rams. I'm also going to take the Rams. RC and his hyper short pick. I'm going to take the Rams, but Lions cover. They get, they get the backdoor cover. I think that I think that line is so big that they're, I don't think the Rams can cover it. Giggity. Interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with the Rams as well. I think Matthew Stafford is gonna show the team what they're missing out on. So that was a good catch. I don't know why I read that that was in Detroit, but it definitely was in LA. So they'll probably boat. Speaking race. of good. Speaking of good catches, Jonathan, what do we got, bud? Oh, you should have this written down since you're the one that catches it. Uh, use the code word <laughs> COVERT20 for 15% off Ray's energy. I'm just going to quit saying it because it is very entertaining for me. Halfway through the podcast where you're like, oh, we got to remember that. So we're just going to leave Nick in charge of it because he does a better job than I ever will with remembering that. Cardinals and Texans in perhaps what will be the biggest blowout of the entire weekend. You thought 15 was a lot. How about this line? Arizona, 17.5-point favorites over the Texans. Uh, the Cardinals win, 
But if you were to put money on this game, I think you would have to put Houston covers that line. Just even if it's a small bet, just put it out there because 17 and a half is a gigantic line for an NFL game. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Lots of enthusiasm. Down to my drop in money. Those broadcast schools are really paying off. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to go with Arizona. I think Arizona puts up a 50 burger on Houston. Hell yeah, dude. I like the way this man thinks. I also got Arizona. I think it's going to be a big win. Kyler Murray coming out and just slinging shots around. So wrapping up the mid-afternoon games in a game that I... I'm biased because I'm a Bears fan, and I think, hey, you know what? The defense can hold the Tampa Bay. The Bears beat Tampa last year. Let's not forget that. It's in Tampa. Tampa Bay is 12.5-point favorites. Uh, just the, My trust in the Bears' offense is none. My trust in the Bears' defense is, hey, they won't make it. A, they won't let Tampa put a 50-burger on Chicago, which I know is setting the bar really low. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to win, uh, but I do think Chicago could uh, keep it within that 12.5-point margin. I'm going to go with the Bucks. Hashtag fire the cannons, boys. Well, for my good friend, uh, right tackle, Tristan Wirfs for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm taking the Bucks, but Chicago backdoor coverage. I'm going to have to go with the Bucks as well. I just don't think that Bears defense is going to be able to, to cover long enough and hold out a win. Well, the problem with the Bears is not necessarily the defense. If they had a half-decent offense, Fields. The, I, I don't really put it on him because he's played like four games to this point. But, hey, that, that defense will keep it close. Uh, moving to the Sunday night game, a game that I had to double – take a double take to see that this was the actual Sunday night game Colts and 49ers. Uh, you look at this schedule of games and uh, how is chiefs Titans, not the Sunday night game, but anyway, uh, it's the Colts and 49ers 49ers are four point favorites. And just because I don't think I've taken enough dogs this week, I am taking the Colts to go to the 49ers and pick up a win. Colts would move to 3-4. and four. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I'm going to go with Jonathan on this one. I'm taking the Colts. 49ers are really banged up right now. I like Indianapolis. I like Carson Wentz. He's been playing really well this year. You know, I'm also going to have to agree, go with another dog. Kind of like you said, Quinn, 49ers are banged up a little bit. They're they're not playing insanely well with all those injury lists. Carson Wentz also looking very good. So I think the Colts are going to be able to get the job done and shock the 49ers. All right, moving to the Monday night game. It's the Saints' five-point favorites on the road against Seattle. Famous Jameis versus Geno Smith. And uh, I just enjoy saying Famous Jameis. The Saints are above 500, so let's keep it rolling with Famous Jameis and the boys. Saints win. They are now would be now 4-2 with a win. I'm also going to go with the Saints. Uh, this is where I'm going to differ. I'm taking the 12th man to step up for Seattle. Geno Smith played really well against the Steelers uh, on Sunday night outside of the fumble that obviously ended up costing the Seahawks the game. I'm going to take Seattle straight up over the Saints on, on Monday night. I kind of want famous Jameis and the Saints, so I'm going to say the Saints are going to be able to get it done on the road. So there you go, famous Jameis. Three of four are taking uh, the uh, famous Jameis-led Saints. Please note, bye weeks for the Bills, Cowboys, Vikings, Steelers, Chargers, and the Jaguars. So there you go. That is the... NFL rundown is uh, very, very similar through parts of that pick, but did end up with some big differences down uh, the line. So that is week number seven. Again, if you want to see the Hexbug picks, I told you the uh, they picked Cleveland for the Thursday night game, giving one away, but you can check out the Covert Show TikTok. Uh, we're also thinking about, I've added MLB playoffs. I'm thinking about doing NHL. Maybe some uh, we can get a group of us together to figure out a college football, college basketball game of the week or games of the week, I should say. Uh, throw those out there as well. So if you want to check that 
out. And on that note, college football, and we're going to have to jump right to Quinn on this one. The UI grad, Iowa number oh two, <laughs> taking on Purdue all week long. You know, this was uh, not talked about as much of a trap game as I thought it should have been. This is Maryland was talked about more as a trap game, and Iowa put 51 up on the Terrapins. So Purdue picks up a 24-7 to win. I didn't watch the game, but from what it sounded like, Purdue was dominant throughout. Quinn, what were some of your thoughts from this game on Saturday? Well, fortunately, I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of it live and went back and watched it. I was actually at, at the casino on Saturday, so that actually eased my, uh, <laughs> eased my pain from the game. But uh, anyway, the... Uh, what it boiled down to was the fact that Iowa just Purdue has a Jeff Rob has a number right now, and this, the way Jeff Rob's offense plays is that is just the perfect antithesis to Phil Parker's defense. And you have a talent. I'm telling you right now, if David Bell played against Iowa every week, he'd be the greatest wide receiver in the history of football. I mean, he just tears apart Iowa like nobody's business. And we're just with the route concepts. And the problem is with Iowa, you can't take a guy to double. David Bell, because you do that, they have other receivers that are just as capable of breaking a long one. That's just the kind of offense that Purdue has. But the thing with Purdue that was most impressive is that the defense is finally starting to come along. George Karloftis is a name that has not been talked about enough in the national circles about perhaps a Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year candidate in a possible first-round NFL draft pick. He has played lights out so far for the Boilermakers. And also, when you look at Iowa, you know, everybody wants to point at Spencer Petras. They want to point at Brian Ferrisley. Iowa's offense's issue. Actually, if you if you would watch, if people watch close enough, not saying that there are people that don't watch close enough. There's plenty of fans who like to run their mouths without looking at the tape. <laughs> but Iowa's offensive line has been the problem because Spencer Peters can only do so much when he's got two seconds to throw and he's getting put on his back every other play. And, you know that's not supposed to be that's not supposed to be a shot at the Iowa offensive line. That's just supposed to be a low blow. You know, the, the tape says it, and they know the tape says it. And I know they're trying to get that figured out. That's what happens where you're breaking in two young offensive tackles, Nick DeYoung and Mason Richmond, two really talented guys, but have gotten thrown into the mix perhaps a little bit earlier than what Iowa was anticipating. I think the interior of the offensive line, once they start getting healthy, obviously not having Cody Ince last week at offensive guard hurt Iowa. Tyler Linderbaum, we all know what he can do. He's the best in, uh, offensive lineman as an individual in the country, in my belief. But it takes the unit on the offensive line. And Iowa's offensive line right now just isn't playing as a unit. This bye week could not have come at a better time for the Hawkeyes to get rested up, to get healed up. I, I'm thinking we're going to get Robbie Moss back for that game in Madison on October 30th. As a matter of fact, Bill Parker uh, said today during during his press conference uh, that don't bet against Robbie Moss not being back uh, for that Wisconsin game. He feels pretty confident that he will be back. So that will be a big boost to the Iowa defense. But Iowa, this bye week came at a great time, gives – a lot of chance for self-reflection. And the great thing that Iowa does during bye weeks, they don't they, they don't take extra time to prepare who they're playing next. They they've always taken that time to work on themselves. You know, get let younger guys have work. And this could be a chance to let the, the offensive line for how young they are get a lot of work in. So I, I feel very confident still with what where Iowa's at right now. Like you said, that was a classic trap game against a team that has Iowa's number. I'm not putting a ton of stock into it. There are concerns. But there is no need to wave the panic flag as of yet if you're Iowa. So the Iowa Hawkeyes, 6-1 and one now, and in the most recent top 25 poll, didn't take as big of a tumble as some might have thought. Uh, now number 11, but what they did do is they pulled Purdue into the top 25. Purdue, number 25 at 4-2. and two. Uh, Moving to you, Nick, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers again lose as uh, Nebraska now 3-5. and five. A fun game to bet on because every time that I've bet against Nebraska, it has been easy money. Uh, as I recall, Minnesota was actually dogs at home to Nebraska, five, four and a half points. But it did not matter. Minnesota wins 30-23. to 23. Nebraska loses again, Nick. Another tough week for Cornhuskers. One touchdown games, Jonathan. That's that's what it's boiled down to. You, you take a look at the Oklahoma game. It was just a couple of late series where Nebraska didn't get the job done. Michigan State, same difference in a couple penalties. Michigan, just an absolute <laughs> cluster of a couple of miscues, some penalties thrown in there. Going to the Minnesota game, another one touchdown loss. And to start off, I, I saw this from uh, the kicker, Connor Colt, 
on Twitter. He was getting grilled by the media. The young man stood in there and took it. He knows that he's struggling. He knows that the kicking game is hard. He could make a 50-yard field goal, no problem, and then all of a sudden it just goes between his ears, and he just can't find a way to do it. And I think that's one thing that Scott Frost needs to be able to get the kid confident in is the ability that his leg can work magic. And it can be that couple of extra points that we need because you take out two missed field goals by Connor Cole. That's a couple of extra points there in that game, and it makes it a, a whole big difference. You take a guy on the offensive line, or you take a guy in the offensive running backs, and you look at Jaquez Yant. He tripped up on the back in the backfield on the one yard line, but you have a six seven and a six nine tight end, and you are telling me as one of the best. I formation offenses way back when you don't want to decide to run the eye behind a six, seven tight end. Are you out of your mind? Put him in the eye formation. Let one of our biggest running backs go behind one of our biggest guys and push the pile. Throw Jojo Doman in there. Throw Nick Hendrick in there. They love to lay haymakers on the field. Let them run through some guys. I mean, seriously, Nebraska's offense looked pitiful. Taylor, or Adrian Martinez this weekend did not look good at all compared to the last couple of weeks that he's played. He was overthrowing guys again, stepping off his back foot, or not stepping through the throw, being on his back foot the entire time. He's scared to step up into the pocket and deliver a shot, but when he settled back in, he was throwing balls all over the field. He was hitting guys in the flat. He was going down the edge rush. I mean, it was insane to just see what he is able to do but he is not the Heisman quarterback that everybody thought. And I, this next week after the bye against Purdue, that's going to be a struggle. <laughs> but I will still say this. There, there's something about it that I feel that either Ohio State or Iowa will suffer a loss to Nebraska in Lincoln. I don't know which team it is. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to play out. But there will be a big upset in Lincoln. But I think we miss out on a bowl game again because we are just we are way too much riding that teeter-totter. And it's been a struggle for Nebraska fans for the last decade. Yeah, if you're not in sports betting and you think that, you might want to become getting into sports betting if you're going to throw money on Nebraska. On, on Nebraska because all I do is throw money against Nebraska, and that money makes money. Uh, looking at last week, uh, number 22, San Diego State beats San Jose State in overtime 19-13. Oregon hangs on for dear life against Cal. Uh, 24-17, Oklahoma State beats Texas 32-24. Texas A&M beats Missouri 35-14. Indiana hangs tough with Michigan State, the Spartans winning 20-15. Cincinnati boat races UCF in a final of 56-21. A uh, game that was maybe closer than some thought, Nebraska. Or Nebraska. Georgia, number one, beats uh, Kentucky 30-13. Baylor beats uh, BYU 38-24. Alabama destroys Mississippi State 49-9. Uh, Oklahoma beats TCU 52-31. NC State beats Boston College 33-7. And Mississippi beats Tennessee in a final of 31-26. So looking across the top uh, 25 here, starting top five, Ohio State five, Alabama four, Oklahoma three, Cincinnati number two. Could we see the Bearcats claw their way to number one as uh, Georgia holds that spot right now? Uh, other highlights, talked about Iowa being number 11, Coastal Carolina's up to number 14, Wake Forest, a weird one there, number 16, uh, rolling through Baylor 20, San Diego State 22, UTSA in what I believe is their first time being ranked ever at number 24, and Purdue at 25. Was there anything in the top 25 that surprised either of you guys uh, looking at the rankings for football? Pulling it back up here because I've been just kind of looking at the schedule. Georgia holding that top spot. They they are not going to get beat. That offensive-defensive combo, JT Daniels, and that Georgia Bulldog defense is just going to be setting the pace. Desmond Ritter and the Cincinnati Bearcats, I, I don't think even if Georgia falls, they wouldn't put Cincinnati up at that number one spot. They're, they're a very good team, and I think they can hang with some of the best in the country. But right now, their schedule just not there when it comes to a strength margin. 
Oklahoma State getting the job done against Texas, that Texas secondary still getting picked apart, and the SEC is just going to be laughing their butts off when they come into play. <laughs> the one team that I really, really love seeing kind of start getting into that top 25 is Baylor. That defense is just very stout. They've got a very good quarterback in Gary Bohannon, and he is just able to light up defensive secondaries and being able to throw deep balls downfield, and that defense able to cover very, very well. It's going to be kind of a tough battle within uh, when that Oklahoma game comes to town, and that's going to be in Waco here in a couple weeks. And then there was one more game that's kind of it's kind of a race in the ACC, in my opinion. You got three teams ranked in the top twenty-five that are very, very solid offensively, and two very good quarterbacks coming into that. And that's Wake Forest at sixteen, NC State at eighteen, and then Pitt finally jumping into the rankings at number 23, and I think Pitt has the ACC kind of on its heels. They've got Kenny Pickett back. He's got almost 2,000 yards, and the man is just looking absolutely spectacular. And Wake Forest has found a very, very solid defense, so I think the ACC is honestly going to be one of the biggest battles to watch. Well, the one game I'm surprised nobody's talked about yet, and this is, I think, going to be the upset of the week, is Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State, they're not they're not a supremely talented football team. I'll come out and say it. Spencer Sanders is a good quarterback. They've got some good weapons, but they're not supremely talented like a top-ten football team should be. I think Iowa State's clearly a better team, and I agree with the Vegas line. Iowa State is, is a seven-point favorite. The Open is a five-and-a-half-point favorite, so that means the Sharps love Iowa State. But Iowa State starting to hit the rhythm. Brock Purdy looked flawless against Kansas State. Brees Hall, he tore apart that K-State rush defense. And uh, Iowa State would look, Iowa State's offense looked like a well-oiled machine. Now the question is going to be, can Iowa State slow down Spencer Sanders in, a, in, in that Oklahoma State offensive attack enough? And Spencer Sanders has been, he's been prone to, to, to turnovers. He didn't have a great game against Texas on Saturday. But I think Iowa State gets the win in Jack Trice on Saturday, and they vault themselves back into the Big 12 title contention because this Iowa State team is really starting to hit their stride. I, I will kind of go along inside that Oklahoma State. They do look solid, but not a top-10 team. I will have to agree with you, Quinn, on that. The one thing that they're going to really have to do is um, stop Brees Hall in that running game because if you look at one of the best running backs in the country um, – and for John Robinson for Texas, I mean, he had a he had a game and he was tearing them up. So if they're not able to stop that running game for Oklahoma State, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough day with the quarterback battles as well. So if Oklahoma State's able to keep that front four on lock and be able to stop Hall in the backfield for a couple of tackles on loss early, that's going to really set that tone. But to me, it's going to be it's going to be very, very tough if Robinson was able to just run all over him. And granted, like I said, he is one of the better running backs in the country, definitely making a name for himself on that Texas starting roster. So I'm excited to actually watch that one as well. And that's going to be on Fox at 2.30. So if you guys are tuning in, I would I would very much like to see how that game goes down. So, so I'll be in the press box for that one. I'll be in Jack Trice. Well, there you go. There you go. Thanks for Rogue for that one. <laughs> So some also, of Coastal Carolina is in a little bit of a battle with Appalachian State. I've been a kind little of bit two oh one to go yeah. in the fourth, tied at twenty seven. The the Appalachian State Mountaineers looking to upset a number 14. or another ranked opponent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fourteen for the Shauna Clears and Grayson McCall still doing what he does. He's fifteen of uh, twenty three so far. He's two hundred and ninety one yards. Grayson McCall still a very very talented quarterback, but not a lot of people able to put the same resume up to date as Desmond Ritter for that Cincinnati Bearcat offense. Hey, I just want you to know these great Mountaineers you're talking about got destroyed by the Raging Cajuns last week. One of the teams I like to follow in college football, 41 to 13. So, and, and it amazes me that uh, the Raging Cajuns aren't top 25, but looking towards some of the games that I guess have interesting lines to me. You guys talked about one of them with the Iowa State game. Uh, Purdue, a top 25 team, is not favored at home against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a three-point favorite. Number eight, Oklahoma State is not even close to being favored. They're on the road. Quinn's talked about that one, a seven-point dog to Iowa State. Oregon is at UCLA. They are a two-point dog to UCLA. 
And there was one other. Oh, number 22, San Diego State is three and a half point dogs on the road against Air Force. So if you like to do a little dabbling in the old sports betting world, uh, some things to think about there. And with that, we're going to jump into the other side of things with uh, RC. We got some music and whatnot. Hopefully RC is still awake over there is uh, the first thing I want to talk about. And uh, it's one of those things that's unfortunate, but it did happen. Uh, Vince Neal, uh, it reads that he fell off the stage, but if you watch the video, it looks like he like walked off the stage. Is that more accurate? Because to me, when you say fall off the stage, there's like a wobble. No, this dude went, he was singing to a song, walking, 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 boom, drops down off the front of the stage. Yeah, it looked like he, he walked off stage to me, but yeah, broken Broke ribs, ribs? Are not, broken ribs are not a joke. Yeah, it was, uh, it's an odd video to watch because it doesn't look like it's happening and all of a sudden, shoop. Yeah, takes the tumble there. But uh, what do you have over there? I I heard rumors. We don't have a clown of the episode, unfortunately. Uh, so what else do you got over there? While you guys were blabbering about um, <laughs> college sports, I was over here buying my Cannibal Corpse ticket. Atta boy. Skyway Theater, March second. Cannibal Corpse in Whitechapel. I'm so excited for this show. Is this this must be a grand like nationwide tour they're yep. doing or is this a regional thing or how long is their tour and where do they how far does it span is this something that's like a month and it's around the midwest or what's the deal starts in february and ends march 26th a little bit of a short one so it's like a regionalized thing then or are they doing coast to coast they're going from georgia florida minneapolis what a jump what a jaunt there's dude. california in there arizona like all your huge markets are gonna get a cannibal corpse show and i can't wait all right well there you go you got nothing else music related or anything and, uh, to and another talk about? another bummer of a story from vince neal is ex motley crew limo driver claims vince neal is drinking himself to death so he could be working out and him constantly drinking. It could possibly be why he still looks gross and bloated and not not good. So tough goal of it. And I have one more. One more. Oh, he dug something up. He's I thought this was a, I thought this was a joke, but apparently the. Heinz Ketchup actually did rebrand its ketchup to tomato blood for Halloween, which is oh super yeah, there's cool. a costume thing that they have going with it too. It's a little, uh, a little bit odd, but yeah, I did see that as well. Um, I don't know. This jumps back to sports because I'm just now thinking of it. I saw it on the Pat McAfee show, and I don't know if any of you guys have seen this, but Kansas City. There are two Kansas City super fans that are fighting each other, apparently. And this news clip with that looks fake and sounds fake. And one of the quotes is uh, one of these guys calls the other guy a uh, meth addict. And he goes, "Yeah, our, the phone line's having a hoot right now. But <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, so one of these uh, super fans calls the other one a meth addict. And on TV, this guy's quote is, nah, I do cocaine and I'm an alcoholic. Straight faced <laughs> to the to the camera. I, I'll have to share it with you guys because it is a I I just can't believe that it's an actual thing, but it is uh, I don't want to say awesome because it's kind of not, but it kind of is. And uh well let's see. I'm gonna I'm going to play with fire here, see if I can play it through this while we're talking on the phone. Might end bad. Might have a might have a call that just quits in the middle, but we're going to see here. Uh, where did it go? <laughs> also, Ever quick update. Third and six for Appalachian State. They're at like the seven or eight-yard line, and they're getting ready to kick a field goal with three seconds left, tied 27-27. All right, everybody brace yourself because this might be the worst-sounding video in the history of videos, but this is from the Pat McAfee oh, show. Oh, it won't let me because I'm on the phone. All right, well, I'm going to share with you guys, and it is – 
it is something that every sports fan, non-sports fan, whatever, needs to watch. Uh, so there is that. And RC, so you're done with the done with stuff over there already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're going to wrap it up with the top 25 college basketball poll. Gonzaga 1, UCLA 2, Kansas 3, Villanova 4, Texas 5, Kentucky, Duke, Baylor, Purdue, and Michigan are the rest of the top 10 from 10 to 6. Uh, Illinois 11, uh, Oregon 13, Connecticut 24, 22, Auburn 20, Florida State, and Virginia rounds out the top 25. Colorado does receive four votes in the top 25, so that is that. Wanted to get that thrown in as we are closing in on basketball season. So that'll just about do it for this. Uh, Quinn, once again, thank you for coming on. Do you have any social media you want everybody to hit up as uh, we wrap up the show? Yep, just give me a follow on the old tweeter, at Quinn underscore Douglas underscore, uh, for some great content, if I say so myself. Yeah, you had a couple of bouts after the uh, Iowa-Purdue game from people getting a little stupid and sideways, uh, yeah, as, yeah. Is the, uh, as is the case on Twitter quite a bit. Um, and with that, yeah, Nick... You know, you've got your website up now. That is, I had a chance to look at that. A lot of good things going on there. You got a brand new job. You're going to be soon moving to the state of Iowa. So it's a lot of exciting stuff uh, going on for you. Yeah, definitely. As of Tuesday night, so yesterday, I am officially for a while, hopefully making my stay for, for the long haul for a few years. I am officially a member of the videography and editing team for Raised Hunting and Raised Outdoor. They are featured on the Outdoor Channel as well, so it's a big nationally known company. Um, I'm going to be sitting in a tree stand for a while, going on some pretty good hunts. They possibly want to take a deep-sea fishing trip down to Florida within the next summer, so it's it's a very exciting job for me. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the entire week last week, Jonathan, <laughs> you and I were talking about it, so yep. I mean... It's it's a huge break for me and just so thankful for everybody that's been following me and been hyping up my media career as well. So big break and big things coming. So, yeah, that's going to be something that, I mean, hey, hopefully you get on a couple of those hunting trips. And I'm sure when you do, those will bring back some great stories as well. So. That'll do it for the podcast. You can follow The Covert Show on Twitter at The Covert Show. There's a Facebook page that gets managed about once every three weeks probably. So go ahead and like that. We'll eventually get them put up there. Uh, talked about the Hexbug TikTok at The Covert Show on TikTok. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can email us at The Covert Show at Gmail. So for RC, Nick, and Quinn, this is JC saying thank you for listening. Again, use the code word COVERT20 for 15% off your Ray's Energy order. And this has been episode number 19 of The Covert Show.